And as I talked about last week, generally when you hear the word intimacy, you immediately think of sex. Not everyone, but generally speaking. Uh, And what we talked about is intimacy certainly involves the physicality, uh, but intimacy is about knowledge. The more knowledge you have of someone, uh, the more intimate you are with them. And so intimacy is a total picture of someone physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, relationally. And so we looked last week at how do you actually cultivate intimacy uh, and specifically looked at uh, communication uh, and conflict, of how conflict resolution, communication can actually build intimacy uh, in the marriage relationship. Uh, And also, if you're single, we looked at how you actually can protect intimacy uh, in your singleness so that when you get married, if you desire to get married, uh, you actually already know what it means to be intimate, uh, not because you've practiced, but you've protected your intimacy for your spouse. Uh, Today, uh, we're looking at actually how do you protect intimacy, and specifically, we're going to look at uh, sexual sin uh, this week, and I'm going to really hit hard on pornography, Um, and next week, uh, Kyle is actually going to be back here uh, with me, and we're going to be talking about insecurity uh, and uh, the the devastating impact that insecurity has on a lot of women, uh, certainly a lot of wives, and how uh, insecurity uh, is actually a devastating uh, thing in intimacy. Um, Now, Generally speaking, I think most couples actually desire to have intimacy, to experience intimacy, but they're lacking intimacy in marriage. So not out of lack of desire, but because they're not protecting the very things that actually hurt intimacy uh, in marriage. So my aim today is not to shock you. My aim today is certainly not to offend you, but the very content of pornography, sexual sin, uh, is very disturbing uh, and it's very offensive. Uh, My heart, again, is not to offend you, uh, but to talk about the reality of something that is uh, pornography in particular that is literally crushing many men, uh, women as well, many marriages. Uh, And my heart in sharing this today uh, is not to have you leave with uh, despair and despondency of, great, there's no hope. Uh, Honestly, my heart is this one simple thing is that you would experience freedom. Uh, That If you're here today and you are literally stuck enslaved, literally chained to something called pornography, that uh, you would know that that's not what God has for you, that God actually has for you freedom, uh, freedom from that sin. uh, So you're free to experience intimacy as God has designed you uh, to have intimacy uh, in marriage. Uh, I've worked with a lot of guys over the last 15 years who have literally been uh, in bondage into some pretty heavy, dark, deep, addictive uh, patterns uh, to pornography, and I've seen God do amazing things uh, of freedom, uh, of where they're free, not cycling in and out of this sin, this habitual sin, but they're literally living and experiencing freedom. Uh, I wish this was not my story. Uh, I wish that I could tell you that I'd never viewed pornography, I never messed with this stuff, but I was introduced to pornography when I was 10 years old. Uh, I remember I saw something in print and Knew it was a naked female body and uh, didn't really know what to make of that. Uh, But uh, shortly after I saw that image, uh, I would say the first time I was really exposed to uh, pornography on a much larger scale was the very first time I went to a sleepover at age 10. Some kid brought a VHS tape and said, hey, you guys got to check this out. And uh, man, I wish I did not go to that sleepover because that moment in time started me down a trail that I, I wish I never would have walked. Uh, but I did. Uh, I I didn't struggle with pornography. I sinned with pornography up until my early 20s. 
Uh, I got married at age 24 and literally brought pornography into the first year or two of my marriage. Uh, So I'm very thankful that I can say that I've been completely free from pornography over the past about 12 years. Uh, So I know for me, from personal experience, that freedom is possible. Uh, And it's not because I did something great or it's just been this self-will type of thing or discipline. Uh, Literally, Jesus set me free uh, from a sin that had its hold on me for better part of 15 years. Uh, So today, if you're here and you're stuck in this sin, uh, wives, if you have a husband who's literally stuck uh, in this sin, in this pattern, or if you have friends that you know of, my hope today is that you would have, um, you know that God's desire that he can forgive, he does forgive, that he can redeem, he can restore all things. So no matter what has been given over and surrendered to this specific sin, uh, my hope, my heart today is that uh, there is freedom in Jesus. There's forgiveness, there is redemption, and there is restoration. So uh, I'm going to pray, and um, my map, as it were, for today is pretty simple. Uh, I want to just literally define what is pornography uh, and look at the impact that pornography is having on men, uh, the impact that it's having on women, on marriages, on culture. Um, I want to next turn and answer the question of why. Uh, Why, if we know it's very destructive, very deceptive, why do we turn? Why do we give ourselves over uh, to such a harmful, destructive thing? Uh, And look at some of the reasons of why we give ourselves to it. Uh, And then I just want to finish with uh, how do I actually live in freedom? Not being the man or the woman uh, that literally just kind of cycles in this uh, have a great month, but then I view pornography again. And have a great two months, but then I view pornography of how do I actually live completely free? So, Father God, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for all the men and women uh, that are here today. Uh, God, I I believe that you've uh, brought every single person that you want uh, here. And so, God, I pray that you would really speak to us, that, uh, God, uh, we would hear one voice today, and it would be your voice. Uh, God, I I pray against uh, things like despair and discouragement as we walk through uh, this message. I actually pray, God, that uh, we would be encouraged, certainly challenged, Uh, But, God, we would be encouraged that there is freedom uh, in Jesus. Uh, God, I I pray specifically that um, this is not something that uh, women do not struggle with, Lord, but uh, it's something that has a lot of hold, has a hold on a lot of men. And, God, I pray that if there's one, if not more men today that are giving themselves over uh, to the sexual sin of pornography, God, I pray that today would be a new day. God, I pray that today would be the day where freedom reigns. Uh, and they would walk away from this place today set free by you, Jesus. God, I pray if there's been marriages that have been wrecked or devastated uh, just by the reality of pornography, God, I pray that there would be a restoration, that there there would be healing in that marriage relationship. Uh, So God, please do a great work today. Uh, Help us to understand this, uh, but God, give us your perspective uh, so that when we even think of this, Lord, we would understand it uh, through your eyes as well. God, we uh, pray these things, Jesus, uh, in your name. Amen. Um, all right, so three questions uh, I'm looking to, to answer uh, is actually, what is pornography? So let me define it. Uh, the actual Greek word is pornia, um, and you'd find that word in the Greek language actually about 26 times, and usually when you see the word pornia, uh, it's accompanied or it's translated uh, with words like sexual immorality sexual sin, or it's usually translated uh, with fornication. Uh, And every time in Scripture when pornea is mentioned, uh, this is what the Bible tells us, that our bodies are not made for pornea, that's in 1 Corinthians, 
that we should run from pornea, which is, again, in 1 Corinthians, that we should not seek or pursue pornea, again, sexual immorality, sexual sin, fornication, uh, and that we should repent of pornea uh, if we actually fall into it. Uh, so those are just a, a few verses uh, that speak to, again, 26 times this Greek word is mentioned, but when it talks about pornea, uh, it's saying, run from it, do not seek it, do not pursue it. If you fall into it, repent of it. Uh, so the bottom line is, pornea, sexual sin, fornication, uh, pornography, uh, the Bible makes clear that it's a sin. And I think when most people kind of start talking about pornography, it all becomes in the eye of the beholder. Well, Michael, what's pornography to you is actually art to me. What you deem as pornographic in content or material is actually beautiful to me. It's art. And so it's really hard to actually define, well, what is and what is not uh, pornography. Uh, this is how, in a lot of reading that I've been doing uh, uh, over the past few weeks preparing for this, uh, this is kind of a, a collaborative definition. It says this, pornography is the explicit portrayal of uh, the human body with the aim of sexual arousal, its depiction of erotic behavior intended to cause sexual excitement. So, one more time, pornography is the explicit portrayal of the human body with the aim of sexual arousal. It's the depiction of erotic behavior intended to cause uh, sexual excitement. Now, the reality is our culture is so inundated with pornographic images and content that you may actually intentionally be pursuing this. You may be intentionally looking at this. But as uh, one author, uh, William Struthers, I'm going to quote him a lot today, wrote a book called Wired for Intimacy. He says this, the reality is that we all view pornography because it's everywhere. You cannot get away from it. If you don't view it intentionally, you will unintentionally. Another way to understand that quote is pornography is mainstream. It's gone completely mainstream. What was once considered or deemed pornographic film is now considered a PG-13 film. Uh, pornography is literally in literature from magazines like Cosmo and uh, FHM and Maxim to literally romance novels. Uh, are pornographic uh, in nature. Uh, the Victoria's Secret catalog. Not only is there a catalog depicting of half-naked women walking around in lingerie, but it's now actually a two-hour special, uh, and it's one of CBS's most highly rated or most highly viewed uh, shows all year. Two hours of literally half-naked women walking around on primetime television, CBS. Uh, so, whether you're intentionally seeking it out or whether you're unintentionally, pornography has literally gone mainstream. It's everywhere. It's in movies. It's in literature. It's in music videos. My goodness, even if you just turned on the TV to watch uh, an NFL game or a basketball game, it's confusing to say, are those, the, looking at the cheerleaders, are those actually athletes or are they more like exotic dancers? It's kind of confusing to understand what are they actually doing. So no matter where you look, you're going to see pornographic content. Uh, and the aim of pornography is pretty simple. It's to get its user or its viewer, uh, user or viewer uh, to lust. And again, Scripture makes clear that lust is a sin uh, because lust is 
I'm desiring or I'm coveting something or someone that is not mine. Someone or something that does not belong to me. So if I'm lusting after an image, if I'm lusting after a video, I'm literally coveting, desiring, or lusting after something or someone that does not belong to me. Uh, Here's a few verses that Scripture talks about uh, lust and and coveting. Uh, Proverbs 6, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. Uh, Job 31, uh, this was his commitment. This was the covenant that he actually made. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Or in Colossians chapter 3, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, I've had this conversation many times with many men. Michael, it's just lust. It's, it's between me. It's not hurting. It's not harming anyone. No one else is being impacted by what's going on in my heart and what's going on in my head. But Jesus had a very different standard uh, or stance on actually the impact of lust. Jesus said in Matthew, uh, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully uh, has already committed adultery uh, with her in his heart. Um, my point is pretty simple. Uh, what is pornography? Uh, again, the definition of explicit portrayal of the human body uh, with the aim of sexual arousal. It's everywhere. I wanted to, uh, to read just a handful of statistics uh, just so we would understand how pervasive and how everywhere pornography is. Um, worldwide sex industry sales are reported, and this is with a B, not an M, uh, worldwide sex industry sales are reported at $97 billion uh, annually. Uh, if you were to take the annual revenue of Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, and Apple, and Netflix, uh, the world sex industry is bigger in revenue than those major corporations. Uh, and roughly, you have to keep in mind, uh, this is an estimate that it's very hard to actually put a number on, but when you consider sex trafficking and the sex slave trade, uh, how much money is being made, a low estimation is somewhere around 10 to $20 billion a year just in sex trafficking uh, alone. Consider every second, okay, so every second in the United States alone, about $3,100 is spent on pornography. Every second, there is at least 28,000 plus people viewing pornography via the internet. That is every second uh, that's taking place. Uh, 13,000 adult movies released each year. That's every 39 minutes a new pornographic film is being made for distribution in the U.S. alone. That's 25 times the amount uh, of mainstream movie production. Um, Roughly 15% of all websites on the Internet are pornographic, with 260 new pornographic websites being uh, created daily. Think about that. 260 new pornographic websites every single day. Uh, 25% of search engine requests are porn-related. So anytime someone's typing something in Google looking for this, 25% of the time uh, the search is for porn. Now, that's roughly 70 million every single day. That is a staggering number, that 70 million people a day are searching for, looking uh, for pornography. Of that 70 million, roughly 120,000 of those searches for pornography are specifically for child pornography. 
And uh, another stat that was um, just mind-boggling but just sickening was when someone searches for a child uh, for child pornography, uh, the the time between someone actually views child pornography and the time that they actually act out in an aggressive sexual way uh, against a minor, against a child, is one year. So the time someone sees it and acts out on it is one year. could give you a lot more statistics, but um, again, I'm not trying to shock anyone with that. I'm trying to let us know that pornography is mainstream. It's everywhere, whether it's intentionally sought after or unintentionally, it's, it's everywhere. Um, now, I wanted to, that's kind of the what is pornography, and it's everywhere. I wanted to ask the question, well, what impact is porn, pornography, actually having uh, on people? I'm going to specifically look at what impact is pornography having on men. Statistics would tell you that there are plenty of women uh, who are sinning in pornography, not just in distribution of it, but in actual consumption of it. Uh, but largely, this is uh, an issue that uh, most men are giving themselves to is the consumption and viewing uh, of pornography. And one of the things, the impact that it has on men is it alters the way that we view women. We do no longer view women. This is the impact that porn will have on a man's brain. Uh, no longer as women uh, who are created in the image of God, women that are to be loved and cared for and cherished and protected and sacrificed for. Uh, but we begin to view women uh, literally as objects to be had. We look at them not as people or persons, but we look at them literally as parts. Uh, in his book, Wired for Intimacy, uh, William Struthers, this is a long quote, uh, so stick with me as I read it, but I, I'm taking the time to read this quote because uh, he is a, uh, a biophysic or biopsychologist uh, and studied literally the impact that pornography has had on, on the human brain, specifically men. As, a man falls, uh, as men fall deeper into the mental habit of fixating on these images, the exposure to them creates neural pathways. Like a pathway is created in the woods with each successive hiker, so the neural paths set the course for the next time an erotic image is viewed. Over time, these neural paths become wider as they are repeatedly traveled with each exposure to pornography. They become the automatic pathway through which interactions with women are routed. The neural circuitry anchors this process solidly in the brain. With each lingering stare, pornography deepens a Grand Canyon-like gorge, um, uh, uh, Grand Canyon -like gorge in the brain through which images of women are destined to flow. This extends to women that they have not seen naked. All women stress, all women become potential porn stars in the minds of these men. They have unknowingly created a neurological circuit that imprisons their ability to see women rightly as created in God's image. So your brain literally on pornography is altering the way that men view women as objects. Not as women who created equal and bear the same image that we do, but literally uh, as objects to be had. Uh, porn is not only literally destructive to our minds, to our hearts, uh, but porn is deceptive. Uh, for those who are engaged, involved, giving themselves to pornography, we begin to believe certain lies about ourselves, lies about God, 
And here are a few lies in particular that we believe about women. All women want sex from all men all the time in all kinds of bizarre ways. That's one lie that men believe. The more pornography you view and consume, that's the lie that you begin to believe towards women. Another lie, women really enjoy whatever any man wants to do with them sexually. Another lie, women are essentially a tool for pleasure. Uh, in a really tough book to read, actually, called Guyland, uh, it's not a Christian book, it's a sociological study uh, into men in our culture, uh, and there's a lot of research uh, on, on pornography and sex, and uh, this is what the author of uh, Guyland says. The pornotopic fantasy is a fantasy where women's sexuality is not their own, but it's in fact a projection of men's sexuality. In other words, both men and women act sexually like men, always ready, always wanting. So the lie that men believe towards women because of the pornography we consume, the pornography we view, uh, is very destructive um, uh, towards how we view women. Uh, now, single or married, uh, literally, porn will rot your heart towards God, towards yourself, uh, but porn will literally rot your heart and your mind towards women. It is impossible to store up literally hundreds, if not thousands, of images or videos of women portrayed in pornography without it having an adverse effect on how you view women. Not just some women, but all women. Your wife, the women that you work with or work around, the women that you live around, the women that you see just working out in, in everyday life. It would be impossible for you not to have um, a deceptive view uh, on how you look at women. Uh, here are some other lies that pornography promotes that men believe. Remember, I'm answering the question, what is the impact? It's destructive in nature, and secondly, it's deceptive in nature of how we view women. Here's a few more lies that men believe. Porn will satisfy. I feel that emptiness, uh, and I'm lusting after something, and if I just look at pornography, uh, whether it's for five minutes or five hours, I will be filled. Uh, but the problem with that lie is, obviously, it's not true. Um, your lust uh, literally only serves to inflame it even more. There's a reason that men don't look at pornography for literally two minutes. They think that they'll go literally for two minutes, but it turns into 20 minutes, and then it turns into two hours. And there are men who literally are giving themselves over uh, in hours and hours in viewing this because you can never have enough. Another lie that uh, many men believe uh, and I'm not saying that women don't believe these lies, but I'm trying to hit home on the lies specific uh, to men. Uh, another lie is it's not a big deal. The pornography at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a video clip. It's just an image. It's hurting no one. It's done in the privacy of my own room, uh, in my own home, uh, and it's not impacting or affecting anyone. And I wanted to share with you specifically in this lie to men that are here uh, to men that you may know, uh, that it is a really big deal. The lie that says porn is it's just not that big of a deal, uh, here's some reasons why it's a big deal. Well, number one, they're not just images. Those are, those are people. Those are women. They have stories. They have families. They have dads. So it's not just some random image on a screen. 
That girl has a father. That girl has a mother. She has a family. She might have a brother or a sister. She is a real person. So it's not just a pixel. It's not just a random image. This is a real, live person. Uh, Another reason why pornography is a big deal uh, is because you become enslaved to it. There's not someone who looks for two minutes. You literally become in bondage. You don't sleep at night. Why? Well, because you've been up all night viewing and looking at pornography. Uh, Why? Another reason why it's a really big deal is the starting point is never the ending point. I was certainly here, and I've certainly heard many men say this. Michael, I'm amazed. I'm actually horrified at the things that I'm actually viewing. I promise that I would never look at this. I promise that I would never view this. But what happens with pornography, what started out as viewing a simple image, has now become, it gets deeper and filthier and grosser. Where it begins is never where it ends. Uh, Another reason why it's a really big deal. Again, I'm answering the question, this is why people who say porn is not a big deal, here's some reasons why it's a big deal. If you're single and you're viewing, engaging, consuming pornography and you're single, you are preparing your mind and your heart of what you think sex, intimacy will be like in marriage. And when you get married and it doesn't even come close to the videos, to the images that you have been consuming for a year, for five years, for 10 years, uh, the person, uh, you will be incredibly disappointed and frustrated with your wife. And in disappointment and frustration, you turn back to pornography. Uh, If you are married, uh, it's not only going to trash your marriage, but it will literally trash how you view uh, your wife. It will literally crush your wife because she will not be able to compete with the other women. There will always be a comparison between what you see and what you know. And what you see is porn and what you know is your spouse. And anytime there is a comparison, there's always a winner and there is always a loser. And in the world of pornography, your wife will always lose every day of the week. Your wife will always be on the losing end. Uh, And here's some reasons why she can't compete in this comparison game. Well, she can't compete with what's not real. She cannot compete with what's not real and porn is not real. I watched a pretty telling documentary from a a Christian woman who used to be in the porn industry, and she detailed what it was actually like on these film sets. And she said if most men could actually see what happens on these movie sets, the abuse, the drugs, they would be horrified, they would be sick to their stomachs. What we have as the final product is not what actually is taking place on these sets. It's like wrestling. It looks really good, it's entertaining, but it's fake. Your wife cannot compete with something that is not real. She cannot compete with uh, pretend perfection. That's what porn stars, they appear to have perfection. She can't compete with that. She cannot compete with the variety that you're exposed to. She cannot compete with the accessibility and the availability. And she cannot compete with the endless fantasies that you script uh, in your mind. Uh, In another book um, that really kind of details the story uh, of one man's journey into pornography that led him into adultery, 
that eventually uh, God used uh, to bring a healing and restoration, he talks about what the impact that pornography was having on how he viewed his wife. Uh, and Michael Leahy uh, said this in his book, um, uh, Porn Again. My wife was no match for what I was getting from porn. Porn didn't ask questions, never complained, had no needs for me to meet. It was always there, waiting on me hand and foot, ready to meet my sexual needs and demand, on demand, whether that meant blonde or brunette, big or small. Whatever I wanted, whatever I demanded, in the back of my mind, I knew I could always count on the great escape, porn, to deliver. His wife could not compete with that which he was consuming and viewing um, in pornography. Bottom line is your wife will always be on the losing end. One of the hard things and the hard realities, and I saw this with Kyla early on in her marriage, uh, was my addiction, my, my choice to sin by viewing pornography was causing great insecurity with Kyla. My sin was causing her to be incredibly insecure uh, in who she was and what she looked like. Now, I'm not saying the only reason that women uh, have insecurity is because men who look at pornography... Um, but it's a huge reason why. And so next week, Kyle will be here to talk about how insecurity has impacted her, impacted our relationship, uh, and how this in particular sin impacted that. Um, she'll also get hammered with this reoccurring thought of, it's my fault. It's my fault. The reason he's looking at pornography is my fault. If I was more attractive, if I was more beautiful, if I was taller, shorter, skinnier, whatever, it's my fault. And she'll begin to believe that lie about herself. Uh, she might even be tempted to actually start to compromise and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like he's having an affair. I'd rather him actually just have his pornography uh, and rather than cheat on me with some, some woman. So your wife begins not only to have insecurity, not only to believe lies that it's her fault and believe lies that, okay, it's not that big of a deal. She'll begin to compromise on what is actually sin. So what impact is pornography having? It's huge. Absolutely devastating. It's destructive in nature. It's deceptive in nature. Many men, women are being completely led astray. Marriages are getting wrecked and ruined because of this sin, because of pornography. Now, I want to switch gears and begin to answer the question of why. If it is as devastating, destructive, deceptive as I'm saying it is, then why on earth are so many people giving themselves over to something that is destructive, devastating, and deceptive? Again, in his book, Wired for Intimacy, William Struthers asks the same question. What is it about pornography that makes it so appealing to so many men? Why does a naked female body or a movie of a woman having sex seem to hijack a man's brain hypnotizing him, rendering him incapable of making good decisions? Why, why might a man who is married to a lovely wife risk that relationship for a 10-second video clip of a couple having sex? What is it about being male that makes it so difficult for men to look away? If we know it's deceptive, destructive, devastating, all the way around, why do so many men give themselves to it? Man, I really want you to wrestle with this question. Uh, question is, what does it say about you? Okay, What does it say about men who are able to masturbate to images 
of women being degraded, humiliated, used, abused, and treated as nothing more than just a piece of flesh. What does it say about you? What does it say about men generally who are doing that while viewing images of women who are literally being abused? Men, why do we do it? I'm going to give you a a few reasons of why. And uh, number one would simply be this. Our view of God is incredibly distorted and small. Our view of God is very messed up, very small, very distorted. If we viewed God as actually a God who is a holy God, if we literally viewed God as a holy God, we would view, we would understand that viewing any pornography in print, in video, on on web, we would view any pornography first and foremost as an affront to the holiness of God. But because we don't understand and see and view God as absolutely holy, we give ourselves to these horrific things. There's a a great story in in the book of Genesis, uh, a a man named Joseph. And Joseph was repeatedly hounded by a wife, by a woman who wanted to sleep with him. And in Genesis chapter 39, Joseph literally says to her, no one is greater in this house than I am, than, uh, than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph did not see sleeping with another man's wife as necessarily a sin against the husband, which it clearly would have been, He saw it first and foremost as a sin against God because his view was, God is a holy God. How could I sin against holiness with this depravity, with this filth? Why we view porn uh, is because rather than worshiping the creator, we are literally bowing down to the created. If we understand and viewed God correctly, properly, biblically, we would worship the creator and literally not worship and literally bow down and worship a computer screen, a a, a television screen, a magazine, a novel. We wouldn't worship the created things. We would literally worship the creator. Another reason why uh, men uh, give themselves over to pornography is this. We're sinners. And don't hear that as an excuse or a cop-out. We are depraved sinners. And that's not just true of men. That's humanity. But we are sinners, and in our sin, and I want to point out specifically three sins, uh, namely, uh, lazy, selfish, and angry. Because there's selfishness, there's, uh, because there's laziness, selfishness, and anger, those are some reasons why we turn to sexual sin, sexual morality, pornography. Men, intimacy takes time. It takes effort. It takes hard work to build intimacy physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. But because, not all men, but generally speaking, men are lazy. We don't want to do that. It's easier to turn to pornography. Again, in in the book, Guy Land, uh, the author interviewed a man uh, and asked him, you're married. Why are you turning over to pornography than turning and cultivating intimacy with your wife? And this is what he said. If I wanted to have sex with her, I would have to stop what I was doing. I would have to invite her to stop what she was doing. 
I would have to talk to her. I would have to ask her, well, how are you doing? Are the kids in bed? Has the dog been let out? Are the doors locked? Maybe we should brush our teeth. And then I would have to turn on the sensitivity. I would have to ask her, well, what's been going on with her? What's she been dealing with? I mean, the kids and the house and the budget and her mom and everything like that. I'd have to tell her what was happening with me, my problems, my worries. I'd have to hold her. I'd have to cuddle her. I would have to tell her how important she is to me. I would have to commit myself to an act which these days I may or may not be able to, to consummate. You think that's easy? Megapixels. Those are easy. Rather than choosing to pursue intimacy, we choose the path of laziness because we're sinful. And in our laziness, we turn to that which is, is easy. Megapixels. Pornography. Another reason of why in, in being sinners, we're, we're uh, lazy and we're selfish. At the core, pornography is all about you. It's about what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. Uh, single men, if you bring the porn view into the marriage relationship, well, your wife is going to be miserable. She will be utterly miserable because you've conditioned yourself emotionally and physically to be selfish. You've conditioned yourself to make it all about you because that's what pornography, in essence, is. Again, another quote uh, from Guyland from a single man interviewed. You don't have to buy them dinner or talk about what they like to talk about. With pornography, no one ever says no. Why do men turn to porn? Lazy. Why do men turn to porn? Selfish. And another reason why men turn to pornography uh, is anger. Uh, I didn't make this connection uh, until the last few years and really realizing when I went back and viewed, why was I so stuck in pornography? Why was I so enslaved to this? And I realized, wow, I was actually really angry towards God, towards myself, and towards women. Most single men grow angry towards women because they think they should have them, and they think women should want them. And when they don't, they turn to the women who do want them. Pornography. It's an act or response of anger. When we don't get what we want, we get angry and in our anger, we turn towards those who appear to welcome us, to love us, to embrace us. Same thing, married men. Married men in anger towards their spouse because the frequency is not as much or it's not as exciting as you think it should be. In anger, we turn towards pornography. Um, the one who always says no, well, in pornography, she always says yes. Again, I would not made that connection until years ago, but why? Well, because we're sinners, and it plays out, and we're lazy, we're selfish, and we're angry. Uh, again, another quote from a single guy in Guyland said this, In pornotopia, men can get even, and women can get what they deserve. Men never have to be tested or face rejection. Men want, men want unchallenged authority, and this is exactly what porn gives them. I'll give you two more reasons under the category of why before we move on to how do I live free. Uh, and I think this is a big one for a lot of men is discontent. They're literally discontent with who they are, with where they are in life. They're discontent in the relationship with God. They're discontent in the relationship with their spouse. They're discontent in career. They're discontent in dating or not dating. There's just discontentment all over the place. 
And so we turn towards that which we think will fill that empty space. See, we have that emptiness, and rather turning towards God to be filled, overflowing, we turn towards pornography because we believe the lie that that will fill us. That will help me not feel so discontent in life, in marriage, in career, in relationships. Uh, Milton Vincent wrote a great book called The Gospel Primer, and he kind of described it like this. Fleshly lusts are vicious enemies constantly waging war against the good of my soul. They promise me fullness, and their promises are so deliciously sweet that I often find myself giving in to them as they were friends that have my best interest at heart. Fleshly lusts seduce me by attaching themselves. They exploit that empty spaces in me, and they promise that fullness will be mine if I give in to their demands. The reality is men who turn towards pornography to fill that empty space, what they get filled with is guilt and shame and remorse and despair and hopelessness. And you go back to pornography hoping that the more you view, that will numb that pain that you feel. So why do we do it? Well, we view God wrong. Why do we do it? Men are humans, not just men, but men talking to men specifically, utterly sinful. Shows up in laziness, selfishness, and anger. And a third reason is we're utterly discontent. Um, And again, I think uh, one more I'll share with you is simple insecurity. I know men like to believe that insecurity is reserved from women, uh, but I know just as many women, uh, men as women who are, are battling insecurity. They have absolutely no confidence in who they are and who God's called them to be. They have no confidence, so they turn to something that is utterly easy, pornography. So rather than pursuing the path of being a godly man, rather than pursuing the path of being a godly husband, a godly dad, a godly leader, a godly friend, we're so insecure in what we are not, we turn to that which is easy, that which literally strokes us. Those moments we feel so much better about ourselves that we have a sense of authority. But the second we walk away, we walk away even more filled with insecurity. The list of why men and women turn to porn obviously could be a a much longer one than I've shared. Um, But one of the things I'd remind you about this is we don't have to turn to it. No one's forcing you to look at pornography. No one's got a gun to your head saying you have to look at this. This is a choice we're making. And if it's a choice that we're making, then... I I say that if it's a choice that we're making, then the question becomes, are you going to turn, continue to turn towards that, or will you turn towards that which offers you freedom? I just want to finish with this, and I'm going to go through this quickly. The question being, how do I live free? I once was the guy who cycled in and out of this. There was never a point in my time in my addiction to pornography that I was like, man, I love it. This is the greatest thing ever. I I, just, I was always just riddled with guilt of, God, I don't want this, I don't want this. But then a week later, I'd go back. A month later, I'd go back. Six months later, I'd go back. Cycle in and out, cycle in and out, again and again and again. And here are some things that, uh, that I've learned that have been instructed uh, to me and things that have been helpful of living free over these past 12 years. Uh, number one would be this. Replace sinful affection with godly affection. 
replace sinful affection with godly affection. Uh, Thomas Chalmers, I like how he said it, says this, the only way to dispose the heart of an old affection is through the expulsive power of a new one. See, my affection was given over towards sexual sin, thinking about when I'd be able to do it again, thinking about who would be in the house and who wouldn't be in the house, how much time I would have and what I would look at. And my affection was just given over towards that. The only way to dispose the heart of an old affection is through the expulsive power of a new one. So it's not enough to say stop looking at porn. The message is, yeah, stop looking, stop consuming, stop viewing, but replace what you were doing, that old sinful affection, with a new affection. It's turned from and turned towards. There's so many men that go back to because they've not replaced that affection with a new one. Namely, God's word, namely the gospel. So, men, what is it you are affectionate about? If you don't have an answer to that question, you'll cycle in and out. I have a new affection. I love spending time in God's word. I love spending time in, in, in Christian books. I love spending time just considering and praying, meditating on the truths of the gospel, of what Jesus is, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I love hanging out with other Christian brothers and spurring one another. My new, I have new affections. That would be number one. Replace sinful affections with godly affections. Uh, number two, uh, confess and repent. Men, if you are married, you need to tell your wife. I've met far too many men who said, Michael, I can't talk to my wife about it. You don't know her. You just don't know what she's like. She, she might shoot me. Well, if she decides to shoot, you just tell her to aim low. <laughs> you got to confess. You've got to give your wife the opportunity to come alongside you and speak the gospel. Your wife's role is to come alongside and help. Wives, I'm not saying it would be easy to have a husband confess this to you. But if your husband actually has the courage to confess this sin to you, Please do not shame him. If God doesn't shame him, when he confesses this sin to the Lord and God grants him mercy and compassion and forgiveness and grace, then that's exactly what you need to do. It is appropriate to have a righteous anger over this sin. Absolutely. But confession needs to be met with grace and mercy. Not saying it would be easy, but what I am saying, if you want to have intimacy with your husband, and if you want to cultivate that relationship with your husband where confession is more of the norm, then don't greet a confession with shame. Ask him, how can I come alongside you? I don't want you in this world of porn. God has more for you. How can I help? Man, if you don't have a wife, uh, then you've got to find your pastor community group leader, a brother, someone who loves you enough to hold you accountable. You've got to confess this. You cannot have this remain in the dark. You've got to bring what is in the dark into the light so that a Christian brother can come alongside you and love you enough to hold you accountable, to ask you the hard questions. I would say number two is simply confess and repent. Uh, number three, and um, I wish I would have uh, known this one 
earlier on in life, but think and live generationally. Now that I have kids, man, I don't want my sons dealing with this crap. I don't want my sons giving their hearts and their minds over to this filth and the smut. See, what pornography gets you to believe is it's just about you and it doesn't impact anyone else. But there are generations of men who have been impacted because their fathers did not have the courage to turn away from it. And so now it's been passed along to their sons. In uh, Mark and Grace Driscoll's book, Real Marriage, he talked about it and said this, How you behave today sets in motion a future for sexual freedom or slavery, life or death. A future not only for your life, but also for the generations that will follow you, follow in your wake. Keeping this in mind will help your theology to conquer your biology for the sake of your legacy. What you're doing today, men, are going to have, is having a profound impact on those that will follow you. Finish with uh, one more. Say this, uh, and this is probably most important. You need to know that it's Jesus who sets you free. It's not your self-will. It's not your determination. It's not your hard work ethic. It's not your, okay, I'm going to be that guy who can just white-knuckle this thing and I'm never looking again, going cold turkey. No, no, it's Jesus and Jesus alone who sets you free. If you're looking for freedom from anyone or anything other than Jesus, you're not going to find it. You might find a good few weeks. You might find a good few months. You might even find a good few years. But Jesus and Jesus alone is the only one who can set us free from all sin, not just pornography. Like how it says in John, this is Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I'm thankful that uh, 12 plus years ago, Jesus set me free. My hope today is that if there was just one person, one person that has given themselves over to this, to this sin, that today you would find freedom. Not in a talk or a message or some new technique of how to conquer this, but you would find freedom in the freedom that Jesus offers you. I want to spend some time praying. And uh, we're going uh, to worship and celebrate communion together. Um, but I, I want there just to be a time where you respond to what the Lord's been telling you. If there's any men that are here right now that are literally have been enslaved and given themselves over to pornography, today's the day that it stops. Not because you've got the willpower now, but because you're turning from and turning towards Jesus for your freedom. Not just today, but tomorrow and the next day, and the next week, and the next month. Father God, I pray that um, just, God, if there's that one person, if not more, who are literally just enslaved, their life is getting ruined, their heart and mind is being trashed. God, the relationship with you, with their spouse, if they're married, God, the relationship with other women is literally getting trashed because of this sin of pornography. God, I pray that today they would turn from that.
and turn towards you, Jesus. God, I pray that there would be not one person that leaves here despondent or with a sense of despair. God, but I pray that today the message is, Jesus, that you forgive, that you redeem, that you restore, that you reconcile all things. So God, if there's anyone that's here currently believing a lie that they can never be free of this, Jesus, I pray that today they would experience your forgiveness and mercy. And they would experience the freedom to turn from this and turn towards you. Not just one time, but daily, turning towards you. So Jesus, I give thanks that you provide us freedom. Jesus, I ask that if there's any marriages that have been literally wrecked, ruined, devastated by this sin, God, that you would restore. God, that there would not be a marriage that is filled with anger and disappointment and hurt and despair and hopelessness. But today, God, that that marriage, it would be a new day. God, because you can and do redeem and restore all things. God, the things that we break and bend, destroy, God, you can restore these things, and I just ask that you would. Jesus, we want to celebrate communion. We want to worship you. Jesus, we give thanks that you have lived a a perfect life, that you were without sin, that you loved us enough to die for us, paying the penalty for all of our sin, not just and in particular sin, but for all of our sin. So Jesus, I pray that uh, today those who are Christians would celebrate communion, remembering who you are and what you've done for us. And God, if there's one person, if not more, who today would not count themselves as a Christian, God, I pray you would soften their heart that today they would receive you, Jesus, as Lord, as Savior, the one who makes them right with you forever. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. As uh, we worship, celebrate communion, I'm going to stand over here. And um, if there's something that's hit hard with you today, um, I would encourage you to come. Uh, I'll pray with you. Uh, if there's something that you even want to confess and talk through and just share, uh, I will listen and pray with you. Uh, I was so encouraged in the first service, uh, someone came up and just said, uh, Mike, I just want to celebrate and give thanks to God that I've been living free now for a few years. So this is not just a a line for people who are really messed up. Uh, If you want to just say thanks to God and pray with someone and celebrate uh, what God's done in your life just this past month, uh, this past year, however long it's been, uh, I would love to pray with you and celebrate that. Uh, But I'll be standing and reserve this communion table for those who just want to pray together.